0: To minister with my husband and that's been a long sought-after
1: dream and uh, 10 years of diapers and babies and you know you stay home because somebody's got to stay with the kids and I got to go you know again okay you know, it's kind of drawing to an end and I'm getting to participate more and more with him which is such a blessing so we were able to go without our children thank you Jennifer Um, And just me and him up to Chicago to visit Nick and Lindy, which we didn't know what to expect. We just thought we were going to go up there and encourage these guys. They have started kind of a ministry, uh, Bible study in their home, and they're hoping to start a church here soon and kind of making the first steps of faith, Uh, seeing some response to what they have. They've been invested. um, They've had a lot invested in them. As you all well know, we're um, very saturated in the Word here, which is very different than most churches, and um, I've been brought up in a church like this. I was born again in the church that Eric and Matt came out of, where we grew. It's very saturated in word like this, so I really haven't experienced um, dry, dead religion. I uh, grew up kind of Catholic, but more like lukewarm, kind of go on Easter and Christmas, so that really doesn't count. Um, so for the most part, I've really just had a very full, rich Christian um, walk. Um, But anyway, visiting other churches and visiting other people, I'm always shocked at how um, little of the Spirit most of Christianity existed. And I just wonder, it's like, how how have you stayed a Christian for 15, 20 years, 5 years, how do you stay a Christian when you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit? I really am perplexed by this, I have not worked this out yet at all, because I meet these people and I see they have a genuine love for the Lord, but they're without the power of the Holy Spirit, and it just, it's perplexing to me, because I know how essential it is to my walk, to my life, I I don't know how it exists, so anyway, Nick and Lindy have gotten a good dose of it here, gone off to cold, frozen North Chicago, and um, have been just loving on people and interacting and building relationships with these guys, and they open up their home to a Bible study, um, just sharing the Word with them, sharing their lives. And we show up, (laughs) just thinking, we're just there to encourage, we get to see their Bible study, and it's awesome, and um, they have it every Thursday evening, so while y'all are at Cleaning Crew, if y'all think about them, please pray for them. Um, Anyway, we show up on the week where they are studying 1 Corinthians 13, which is the love chapter but it's sandwiched right in between two chapters, very thick and rich in talking about the gifts of the Spirit, which the church, the people that have come to this Bible study, um, believe in and acknowledge, see it in the Word, but have never experienced it. And so, Matt and I show up and completely unaware that they don't know any of this, and we're just like gonna do church as normal to us, you know? Matt's like, hey, I'm gonna do a couple songs and so, we're sitting down, and we don't want to like take over the meeting or anything. It's really loud now, okay? Okay. Uh, <laughs> so we're sitting down, and, and he's playing some songs, and I'm just wondering, how, okay, no one else wants to stand. Okay, well, we'll just, uh, you know, when in Rome, do as the Romans do, so I'll just... Okay, how do I worship sitting down without raising my hands? Okay, I'll do it. It's okay. We'll do it. So we're, we're singing a couple songs, and as soon as he stops playing, it, they burst into applause. And it just kind of shocks me. I'm thinking, I'm not used to worship like this. We don't, we usually, um, all that emotion is during the song. And so it was very strange for me. I was like, okay, I, I don't really know what's going on here. So we go into the Bible study. Nate begins to share about love, and everybody's interacting. And it's good conversation and getting to see people's hearts. And it's just, it was just awesome. They had probably eight people there. Um, and I didn't really know anything about any of them. One lady I knew was a widow. And that's all I need. Uh, so we're sitting there and they're interacting and we're having a conversation. And um, Nick is leading the meeting, doing a fantastic job, teaching them what he knows. And he's talking about the church in Corinth and some of the traditions there and how um, they're, uh, you know how in, in 1 Corinthians 13 it says, we see um, us through a mirror now, but then we see face-to-face. Well, we look at a mirror and we see it perfectly because we have shiny glass mirrors. When Corinth, they were famous for their polished mirrors, but when you see a picture of it, he showed everyone a picture of it, and it's this brass thing that you can kind of get a sort of image of what you might look like, but it's nothing like you go into that restroom right there and you see what you look like totally. So it gives you a new perspective, and he's sharing this with the people, and it's, um, this is, okay. So it's all good. Well, all of a sudden, I start shaking, and I'm like, I don't know what's going on here. Um, And the Lord just starts showing me things about, Different people in the room. Okay, um, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? I don't, I don't understand. I don't know these people. I don't know. This doesn't happen to me. This happens to like Jennifer or Eric or you know someone who prophesies. So I have my little notes and I start, I just start writing down, just start writing down what the Lord's showing me about each person in the room. And um, I'm really scared because Matt's sitting right next to me, and I have a habit of doodling when I'm sitting in service. Show you all something. Sorry. Whew. Wake up. I doodle because it helps me keep my focus. And he gets mad at me because it's distracting me. So in service, sometimes he's like elbowing me, stop, you know. So I'm writing all this down. I'm so scared he's going to see it and think I'm doodling and fuss at me. And I'm thinking, how am I going to let him know this is really important? And, and I'm nervous and I'm shaking. And I'm, I mean, I'm really trembling. And it's like the whole time I'm writing all this stuff down, the Lord kind of had his head turned another way. And he didn't, he didn't see what was going on. I'm looking, I'm going to get this down, I'm going to get this down, I'm just writing all this stuff. And I fill this page, and I turn it sideways, and I fill in this little, there's a little blank white spot right there, and so I fill in that page, and I'm just amazed. I'm like, I don't know what's happening here. This has never happened to me before. This is, this is amazing, and what do I do with this now? Okay, so I'm sitting there, and I'm just, the meeting's still going on. I'm kind of like, okay, um, it's not like we're worshiping. Uh, You can't just give a prophecy. I can't just stand up and take over the whole meeting. What do I do? So sitting next to me, and I I put my hand on his leg just next to it, you know. And he doesn't respond. I think, okay, well, he thinks I'm just being affectionate, so let me move it right here. So I'm it off of his knee. And uh, he doesn't respond, so I squeeze his knee. And I squeeze it again, and there's no response. And finally he kind of turns to me because I'm almost getting to the point where I'm interrupting a word for everybody in the
0: room. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, not now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I'm going to explode. Okay.
1: Um, okay, Lord. i got to trust my authority. Okay. So I'm taking a deep breath and I'm just trying to calm myself down and just wait. Because if God gave this to me, God's going to provide the proper time and remind him and let him know this is not just me being foolish. Like, I'm going to say something, you know. Um, this is serious. So I'm sitting there and I'm still trembling and um Max starts talking to them about worship. And he asks them, he's talking about the purpose of worship and all this, just good, rich stuff. And he asks them, will, you, will y'all worship with me? And they're like, yeah. So I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome. So we stand up, and we're in this um, small room, so we're kind of shoulder to shoulder, and um, I'm like, this is our opportunity. We can really worship, raise our hands, and, you know, get into the spirit. And so we begin, um, we begin to worship, and... I'm waiting, and all of a sudden there's that lull in worship. He's played a couple songs, and there's that lull, and you, you can just—I mean, we know because we're used to this. We get this every Sunday, every Wednesday, every home meeting. We're used to this. The Spirit's gonna move, but He hasn't told me go ahead yet. So, God, right. Jesus, please remind Him. Remind Him that I'm standing here. I don't want to aggravate Him, you know. And um, Nick gives a word. And that kind of bumps me with his guitar, but I don't know if he's just bumping me because he bumped me or is he giving me instructions. So I kind of turn to him, kind of look, and, you know, I'm just nervous I'm so anxious about this. I um, Place my hand on his back. So, yeah, go ahead. So, like Open my mouth and uh, this flood comes out. Now, I had no idea that these guys had never experienced anything like this. Um, having known that, I probably, I don't know, I don't know if I'd have been brave enough just to share all of this. So um, I begin to share with them, and you can see instantly the impact that it's having. It's like, speak to this person. Boom. It's different, different reactions, different people. It's really the opening of their heart, and you can see by um, their reactions what's going on in their heart. And it's really kind of amazing and scary and... Um, you know how Eric talks about the kavod of God, the weightiness of God. You realize uh, prophecy is not parlor tricks. This is not something to throw around to impress people. This, is, this can change someone's life one way or the other. You better be sure. And I'm just overwhelmed by what God has entrusted to me in this moment. And surprised and all of those things. And so, uh, you know, I have my head down in this person, this person, this person. And I lift my head up and half the room is cleared out. And I'm like, great. I look at Lindy, I'm like, I'm sorry. I just emptied your home meeting, I'm sorry. And she's like, no, it's good, it's fine. Everything you said was right on, I can't tell you. Um, so we begin to interact with the people and some of them were angry and some of them left. Um, but a lot of them came up and said, is it okay? I don't know, but is it okay if I share with you what that means to me? Yes, you know, absolutely, share with me, and just things that are, you know, precious in their heart that God laid bare and just touched them and comforted them and things that they struggle with and encouraged them, and it was just beautiful, such an awesome experience, and I was just so overwhelmed that Jesus was able to pour through me in that moment, and I just kept saying, oh my God, this so proves that it has nothing to do with you. It's all about the anointing. It's all about Jesus, you know, it has nothing to do with me. So this was this amazing experience, okay, we have this awesome night, and the next morning we awake to um, some criticism from the night before, and um, uh, Lindy and Nick are struggling with it, they're trying to get this off the ground, and they're struggling with it a little bit, and it's discouraging when you're trying to do something for God, and you feel like the enemy just wants to take the air out from underneath you. So we're just talking, we're having a discussion, uh, Lindy and I, at the, at the dinner table. And she says this phrase to me, which is the basis. I take the long way around to get to the beginning of my message. Um, this is the basis for the whole message tonight. She says this to me. She says, you know, the jewels of the kingdom are found in the ugly. And I thought, oh, that is so good. I'm writing that down. <laughs> and we just begin to talk and interact and just, what does that mean? How, how, there's something more there. And the Lord began to show me that, um, if you're willing to do the unattractive, the unknown, and the undesirable to uncover the kingdom's treasures, that's where you find the jewels. The unattractive, the unknown, and the undesirable. The jewels of the kingdom are found in the ugly. And there's, there's three S's that I'm going to talk about tonight. And this is the ugly. And it's servanthood, sacrifice and selflessness So there's two types of treasure that you're uncovering when you're when you're dealing with the ugly you're storing up treasure for yourself in heaven where moth and rust cannot take it away, right? You do good deeds for the kingdom it's stored up in heaven, but also you're uncovering those that God's chosen Right, isn't that what happened to you? Weren't you like buried in muck and mud and filth and nastiness and he reached out and uncovered you, made himself dirty and filthy to do this for you? So that reveals a whole nother secret. Let's turn to first John three sixteen. There's this cycle that happens. Brandon, will you read 1 John 3, 16 for us?
0: This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Okay,
1: this is how we know what love is. He laid his life down for us, and so we lay our lives down for our brothers. So this is the cycle. God demonstrates it. It changes us, and then we demonstrate it, and it changes someone else, and then they demonstrate it, And it changes someone else. And this is how the kingdom of God is advanced. But it's all initiated with God's demonstration of his love for us. And so if he did the ugly, if he did the undesirable, the unattractive, the unknown for us, isn't that what he's calling us to do? If he was steeped in servanthood, steeped in sacrifice, steeped in selflessness, this is where we should be. I was reading in Joshua this morning. I'm a little behind in my reading plan. When I was in Joshua 3. Uh, I don't have to try now, I'll read it to you. one. Um, Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out, set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, who are Levites, carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Here's the, here's the verse. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. So how do we know which way to go? How do we know which way to walk? How do, how do we walk this thing out? Because God demonstrated it for us. It changed our lives. Now we can demonstrate it. We've never been here before. We've never walked properly with God, but he demonstrated it for us. And did you notice there were also Levites there that were demonstrating it for the people? They went out and sat, stood in the middle of the Jordan. Okay, so that, that's the leadership. That's the people, your mentors, not necessarily fivefold ministry, but the people that have poured into your life. Those are the ones that have demonstrated it for you. Now you know the way to walk. So what do you do with it? You sit on it. No, now you demonstrate it to someone else and change their life, and they go out. Okay, so let's talk about our three S's. Because that's fun, right? All this ugly stuff that we have to do. This is what we raise our hands for. Um, I can't help but think about Eric and Jen when I I go through all of these, because they're such an awesome example of servanthood, and sacrifice, and selflessness. We have a good example set before us. So the Lord is set high for us. We're responsible for a lot. So let's talk about servanthood. Servanthood in the ugly. So servanthood, I would define servanthood as, as taking a lower position in order to actively benefit someone else. So you, God may have set you here, but you choose to step down from that to take a lower position in order to, with action, benefit someone else. That's servanthood. Let's turn to Matthew 20. Let's see how Jesus demonstrated this for us. Someone want to read
0: 20, verse 25 through 28? Jesus called them together and said
1: So we, saw, we see this demonstrated throughout all of Jesus' life. We don't have to go through every example. But he did. He emulated this, right? He took a lower position. He's the, the king of the universe, and he took a lower position. Not only came to the earth as a man, but came to the earth as a servant. So how can we serve in the, in the ugly ways with the goal being to win souls, to advance God's kingdom? So in the unattractive, there are some ways that we can serve the unattractive. And the first thing that comes to my mind is like cleaning toilets, right? That would be unattractive. It's not something that anybody would volunteer for. Um, things you would just rather not do, but Jesus Jesus demonstrated it for us, so now we demonstrate it. So not just cleaning toilets, because that would be easy. That would be serving our body in here. And that's easy. You lo- we all love each other. But what about your boss at work, who's really just ugly to you, you know, and and. Come down on you for ridiculous things, but to serve Him in an unattractive way to win souls for the kingdom. Or what about like the unknown areas? As a mom, this speaks really loud to me—the servanthood and the unknown. Because a lot, a lot of what the mom, a mom does is unknown. It's unseen. It's the keeping the kids in children's church, missing out on, missing out on home meetings, missing out on functions, um, waking up in the middle of the night. Catch and vomit with your hands if you have to. <laughs> you know, whatever you got to do. The unknown, those type of things, that, that's what a mom does. Um, but if we were going to win souls for somebody in your neighborhood, and you needed to do um, demonstrate this in an unknown way, would have got like cutting the grass for your neighbor and not letting them know who did it, just to love on them, just to share God's love. Um, the undesirable I would think anything, any area that you think is beneath you, guess what? God's calling you to it. Because he did it. It was all beneath him, and he did it. So you think, um, I don't really want to serve in this area. This is really not the area that I feel called to. Or this is not the area that brings me glory. Or this doesn't really fill me up. Guess what? God's calling you to it. If someone's asking you to do it or you see a need, God's placed it there before you. God's calling you to it. Do the undesirable. Okay, so for sacrifice, <coughs> sacrifice I would define as giving something up for someone else's benefit. So how do we how do we sacrifice in the ugly? Um, in Luke nine, there. Luke nine fifty
0: eight
1: someone
0: read that verse, please? Jesus replied, Foxes have holes, And birds of the air have nests, But the Son of
1: Man has no place to lay his head. So you think about that the next time You complain about your mattress, Me included. (laughs) You know, Jesus, the King of the universe, Had no place to lay his head. When I was telling my children this this week, We were talking about this verse. Does that mean he was sleeping outside? Yeah, that's what it means. He slept outside. He slept wherever he had to sleep. Because he was owed everything, but demanded nothing. Mm-hmm. But we walk around and we demand things. And it's wrong. It's not the right attitude. It's not a life of sacrifice. And the ultimate sacrifice was his life on the cross that he gave up for us. I mean, that's that's the ultimate thing. We can't, We couldn't ever compare to that. But we do owe him our obedience. We do owe him a life of sacrifice. So if we sacrifice In the unattractive, Um, giving up your image, like being willing to be slandered so that God's kingdom is advanced. Um, I was slandered this weekend, and it hurt because I felt like I'm just trying to be obedient. I'm just, I'm, you know, it wasn't even about my life, life. It's about spiritual things. I'm trying to do something for the Lord, and. This person is so angry with me that they are saying these horrible things. I mean, it hurts. But yet, the Lord spoke to me in that moment. He said, they didn't reject you. They're rejecting me. And it's easy to see in those instances when the Lord speaks to you. Jesus." But what about just in the everyday instances when someone accuses you of doing something wrong, but you take that wrong for the sake of keeping peace, sacrificing your image, sacrificing your reputation, Because God's kingdom is more important than your image. God's kingdom is more important than your reputation. God's kingdom is more important than what people think about you. It's more important than what people think about the way you dress, or the car you drive, or the job you have, or the way you talk, or any of those things. God's kingdom is more important than that. And if Jesus lowered himself, then we need to lower ourselves also and cast those things aside. They can't rule over us. So if I sacrifice in the unknown, the big struggle with that is, well, but no one's going to find out. And we all know that that's the right way to do it. You know, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing when you give. That's the right way, right? We all know that up here. But what about when you're faced with it and the Lord is asking you to do something, but no one's around to see it. And no one's ever going to find out. And it is a sacrifice. It hurts. It's not an easy thing. That's when the rubber meets the road. That's when your character is really revealed. Do you do it for his eyes only? I mean, that's a hard place to be. That's a place of maturity. And and it's hard. It's difficult. It's difficult to give up the things that you have earned, that you've worked for, the things that you've strived for, for someone else's benefit, and they don't even know that you did it. That's hard. The undesirable. First thing that jumps out to me is fasting. I, I don't like to tell my flesh no. I don't know about y'all. I don't know if any of y'all really enjoy fasting, but it's not fun for me. I'm not. Whew, I'm not one of those good fasting people. Um, call my husband all day. Are we seriously going to do this like until tomorrow morning? I come. Like, um, didn't, didn't the Jewish day start at sundown? So like, 6.35, right? I can have a granola bar. <laughs> I'm not happy. I'm grumpy with my children. It's been an exercise. It's, uh, it's been an undesirable thing. But another area that, um, that's important is your time. So how do you sacrifice that? That's an undesirable thing to give up, right? When um, you have plans, you have things that you would rather do, even if it's as simple as, I just need a day to sit in front of the TV and just chill out and not have anybody talking at me, or just 30 minutes, can I just, for me, it's like, can I just have a room that locks without a kid knocking on the door for a couple minutes? Can I just take a breath, you know, fingers on me, are you in there, Mom? <laughs> the light's on, you know, I'm in here. It's my time, right? I need to have my time. But to sacrifice my time for the benefit of someone else. Because what the thing is, is that we get, we get confused, and we get tripped up into thinking that God owes us this. Like, he owes us personal time, right? Because he had so much of it, right? He took so much of it for himself. So God owes us this. God owes me a vacation because I haven't had one in a year, and everybody else gets to go on one. So God owes me that. Or God owes me fill-in-the-blank, a spouse, a job, a house, a child, whatever it is, because everyone else is getting it, Right? Did Jesus have any of those things? Did he have a spouse, a companion? Did he have a house? Did he have a job that brought him fulfillment and he could say he was such a great whatever? Did he have children? Did he have any of those things? But we think we're owed this, right, because we're the apple of his eye. And indeed, we are the apple of his eye, but we can't demand these things from him. It's a wrong attitude. It's like um, when I'm training my three-year-old. She comes up to me. Mama, I want a popsicle now. Like, well, you sure are not gonna get one. Absolutely not. You're not gonna demand anything from me. Because I don't owe you any of that. Are you lucky if I feed you tonight. <laughs> I feed my children, y'all know I feed my children. <laughs> but it's this attitude that we think we can take with the Lord sometimes. And it's not necessarily that we take a sassy attitude, because none of us, I don't think, would dare to talk to the Lord so disrespectfully, but we whine. Right, And we complain and we put on the dramatics And the weeping before him Because God hasn't whatever And some of it is genuine and I'm not talking about the genuine heartfelt Crying out to the Lord Because God knows I did I cried out to the Lord for many years for a baby And it was genuine And he gave me four of them And okay. Okay, it's awesome okay? But I'm talking about the dramatics that we put on We think we're going to trick God into giving us what we want Because he loves us And he doesn't owe any of this And the Word says that seek the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added to you. So that's the first step, right? You need to judge your, your heart and your attitude in that moment. Am I being obedient to God's Word? Am I seeking the kingdom and His righteousness first in all things? And then these things will be added to me. Or no, I'm wanting these things to be added so that I can feel comfortable and then go out and seek His kingdom. It's backwards. It's backwards theology, and it's what most of the American church teaches us, is that God wants you rich, fat, happy, lazy. And it's not true. It's absolutely opposite of that. God wants your obedience, and he doesn't care if you're happy. He doesn't care if you're fat. He doesn't care if you feel good about yourself. None of those things are, matter to him. It's your obedience that he cares about, and then his joy makes up for everything else that you lack. Let's look at uh,
0: selflessness.
1: (coughs) Selflessness is uh, the denial of your desires so that someone else's are realized. That's like totally anti-American because what we're taught from kindergarten on up is get yours, go for it. Get the American dream, it's all about you. You gotta look out for yourself because no one else will. And that's the opposite of the kingdom. The kingdom's principles are deny yourself the desires and seek to fulfill someone else's desires. Eric, um, Pastor Eric, they were at a men's retreat a couple of years back. I guess it was three or four years ago. And they all, this y'all wrote your caps. Y'all wrote your vision inside your caps. And Pastor Eric says, um, I will die for my brother's vision." You think he's out to build a great church? He would lay down his life for any one of you in here. And he sets the example because Jesus set the example, demonstrated it for him. It changed his life. He sets the example for us. It changed my life. Now, I set the example for everyone, and so do you. Die for your brother's vision, not pursuing your own financial goals, your own career goals, your own life goals. None of those things are what we're supposed to be after, what is your goal, brother? What is your vision? What can I do to help you advance God's kingdom? And when we all do that, God's kingdom is truly advanced because it's not about any one of us. It's about him. And when we're all seeking someone else's vision, someone else's way, then it all gets done and he gets the glory for it. All right? right? Isn't that, isn't that how it works? Yeah. Let's look at uh, Matthew 16. Someone read 16, verse 24
0: through 25. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone looks after me, he must to myself and take up his
1: prophet For who wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will he That's good. Thanks. That's a hard thing. Because we we have this self preservation instinct in us. Right, that's mine. Okay, yeah, I'll sacrifice this, but this little area, that's, that's mine. Don't ask me to give up that. What is it? What is it to you that the Lord wants to encroach upon and you're still kind of holding back? That's not, um, that's not an area that I'm comfortable with giving up just yet. And we all have them. And Jesus works slowly. He's merciful. He's graceful with it. And it's different than it was a year ago, right? Whatever you were struggling with a year ago, you feel like you've gained some victory in that. You've let Jesus in a little bit more. But he's still asking for all of it. And it's a continual process to deny yourself every day, to deny yourself your dreams, your visions, your hopes. Psalm 37, delight in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Some, of, some people read it as, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you what you desire. I, I tend to think it's a little bit different than that, that you delight yourself in the Lord, and he gives you desires, the right desires of your heart. And that seems more in line with his character. Because whatever's birthed in our heart is just junk anyway, right? And I'd rather have his desires for me, because those are what's going to truly make me happy in the long run. All the things that I've put in there has come from a corrupt world. And so it's not going to be beneficial. It ends in death. So how can I be selfless in the things that are unattractive, <coughs> unknown, undesirable? Let's look at Philippians 2.4. Selflessness is the opposite of selfishness. Matt made up this awesome song for our kids a few years back. (laughs) He's so silly. He made up this song. Cindy, you want to sing it? (laughs) He said, don't be a crab, don't be a crawfish, don't be a lobster, don't be selfish. What's the rest of it? Don't be a shellfish do to those who are in need, for this is how the Lord is pleased. <laughs> it's just a silly little nursery rhyme, but our kids sing it, and it's such an awesome principle, so every time they start, and now they're too old, they're too cool for this song, so I'm like, don't
0: be a Mom! <laughs> <laughs> you're so
1: silly. <laughs> Six, because now you're eight. That's such a big difference, right? <laughs> Okay, so Philippians 2.4 says, Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. So it's okay, it's okay to take care of your business, but don't be consumed by that. We should be seeking other people to help other people first, right? So let's look at this. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He didn't take advantage of it. to the glory of God the Father." What an awesome example he set before us. You know, we have no excuse when it comes to servanthood, when it comes to sacrifice, when it comes to selflessness. We have no excuse. Jesus set the ultimate example for us. So how do we do the ugly with selflessness? It's caring more about the other person than yourself. It's lifting someone else up. And that's so hard. Like, you know, it's late, and you've got to get your kids in bed, and this and this, but someone needs help. And you're like, well, somebody else will do it. You know, it's caring. What happens? Eric says this a lot, and I love it. It's, you, you go through that mental debate of, well, what happens if I do do it? What happens to me? What is the cost if I do it? Instead of thinking, what happens to them if I don't do it? What will their outcome be if I don't? If I don't speak that word? If I don't demonstrate God's love to them, what will their what will their outcome be? Let's turn to First Timothy. So this whole book is to Timothy, who was a young pastor that uh, Paul had set up. I don't know where he. I don't know what town. Y'all forgive me. I don't. I don't, I don't know all the history. Where was he? In Ephesus, okay. Thank you. Thank you. Ephesus. Okay, so Timothy's in Ephesus. So Paul writes in this letter, encouraging him, and kind of setting up some some standards for him to hold up um, as a young pastor. Let's look at um, one twelve. This is Paul Paul speaking. He says, "I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful." appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a prosecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So we're talking about a pretty nasty dude here. I mean, he was stoning Christians, men and women, children. He was doing some pretty terrible things in the name of the Lord. And yes, it was out of ignorance, but... The Lord all along was goading him, trying to get him to see there of his ways. But God chose him for his service. And why, why did God choose him? Because he considered, if you look back in verse 12, he considered me faithful. So this doesn't just go for fivefold ministry. This is for any service that the Lord calls any of us to. If he's chosen you for this service, it's because he has considered you faithful. And that indicates that you have had to demonstrate some faithfulness. In something, so if you're kind of frustrated because you don't see something coming to fruition that you feel like the Lord's called you to, maybe you haven't demonstrated a sufficient amount of faithfulness in that area yet. And so these are the areas: the sacrifice, the servanthood, the selflessness. Ramp those up. Start producing some fruit in faithfulness, and see if the Lord won't bring this about. Okay, okay let's skip to. We'll be in First Timothy for a little bit. Let's go to two thirteen. Wait no, a it. No, that's not right. I don't know where this is. Maybe it's 3.13. Yes, it's 3.13. It says, um, those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. That sounds to me like you're storing up treasure in heaven. Serving well, that's the ugly. And that's where the jewels of the kingdom are. The jewels of the kingdom are in the ugly. So serving well gains you an excellent standing and great assurance in your faith in Christ Jesus. Storing up treasure in heaven. Skip down to four, no, six. Chapter six. We'll start in verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth which is so uncertain. Okay, so I would consider all of us are Americans in here or have lived here long enough to be considered an American, right? <laughs> so we're all rich. We're all rich by the world standards. Um, this We're not just talking about people that live on commonwealth. Okay, command those rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth or the security that America has given us so far, right? We have nice, clean streets. We have running water. How many of y'all have been to Mexico? What if the economy crashed tomorrow and that would be our situation here? Would you be okay with it? Or would your world collapse? Now, I know most of y'all, and I know your world wouldn't collapse because your trust is deep-rooted in Jesus. This is what he's talking about. Wealth is so uncertain... But put your hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So that's a good verse right there, because you know that God does want you to enjoy things. So if He provided it, it is for your enjoyment. Enjoy it. It's okay. Don't feel guilty about what God has given you, but don't run after these things. Verse 18, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. So that list right there, do good, rich in good deeds, that's servanthood. Be generous, that's sacrifice, and willing to share, that's selflessness. In this way, they will lay up a treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So all of this treasure that we're uncovering in the ugly, all this servanthood and sacrifice and selflessness that we're doing in this age is storing up treasure in heaven for us. And the word says that it's laying a foundation for us in the next age. Okay, so who laid the foundation in this age for us? Jesus laid the foundation, right? In Revelation, it says that the Lamb was slain before the creation of the world. It was already done. He laid the foundation for us. Um, Write this down. 1 Corinthians 3.11 says Jesus Christ is the foundation already laid. He demonstrated it it changed our life. Now we demonstrate it, it changes someone else's life. We're laying up this foundation for the next days. Do y'all see how this pattern repeats? Not just in this age, but into the next. Yes. It's a good thing to keep in mind when someone's asking you to serve on the, on the servants' crew a toilet, and to clean toilets and to come and give up your Thursday night. And it's hard because you're busy and you're working you've had a long week and you have kids and you have a lot of stuff going on those little areas, or in children's church, or helping someone move, or just sitting and and going out to coffee with someone when you really have laundry to do back at home, or you have some other project that you need to do, go work on somebody's roof. Those are the kind of things where we're storing up treasure for the coming age. We're building our foundation for the coming age. So the secrets of the kingdom that we talked about. Servanthood. Lowering your position to benefit somebody else. Sacrifice giving up for someone else's benefit, (coughs) selflessness, denial of your desires for someone else's to be realized. These are the things that separate the sheep and goats. Let's turn to Matthew 25 real quick. I know y'all read this before. We talk about this a lot in here. What separated the sheep and goats was not what they believed. It was what they did. Okay, so... Verse 35, Matthew 25:35, says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Right there, servanthood, sacrifice, selflessness, servanthood. I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. Sacrifice. I was a stranger, you invited me in, into your home, into your personal space. I needed clothes, and you clothed me, you sacrificed for me. I was sick, and you looked after me, selflessness. I was in prison, and you came to visit me, selflessness. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? Let's skip down 40. The king will reply, and I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So don't let, any, don't let anybody lie to you just because you prophesy, just because you come to church, just because you did some miracles in his name. He's not talking about wicked people here. He's talking about people who fail to act. People who fail to do the ugly. This is who he's talking to. That's heavy. You fail to do the ugly, and he says, Depart from me, you who are cursed. I was thirsty. You gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger. You didn't invite me in. I needed clothes. You didn't clothe me. You didn't meet the needs. You didn't do the ugly. Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty? i tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. I mean, when you consider the weightiness of it, eternal fire and punishment, eternal life. I'm going to do the ugly. I'm going to dig in the mud. So the jewels of the kingdom are found in the ugly. The unattractive. The unknown, the undesirable, when you're willing to uncover them by getting into the mud and muck and getting yourself dirty and uncomfortable for someone else. That's what he did for us. He demonstrated it and it changed my life. And so now I'm responsible to demonstrate it and change someone else's life. The encouraging thing about um, visiting with Nick and Lindy is they – uh, we've we haven't seen them in about three years. We've been able to spend a whole lot of time with them. We've seen them on short short visits, but um, they were overflowing with thankfulness for this ministry and what was poured into their lives. And you think, well, gosh, I mean, we just hung out, and we just we had birthday parties, and we had potluck, and we had church service, and we just fellowship. We just did did church like we do church like we all do now, but it made such an impact in their lives because we were willing to do the ugly when it came down to it to stay up late and minister to somebody, to go out of your way, to touch somebody, to do that. And it changed their life. And now they're up there with a body circling around them that's only going to grow and expand. And that's how the kingdom is. When you meet people who have never experienced the kingdom, your compassion just naturally rises and flows out for these people because you know what jewels and what preciousness you've received. And you just want to give it to them. You just want them to experience it. And so it's a pleasure for us to see Nick and Lindy desiring to do this and to share this with these people. Oh, my gosh, I met these people. Y'all, I'm really bad with names. I don't know if y'all noticed that. As you came into the church, it probably took me a good two or three months before I remembered your name or got it correct. You know, I'm really bad about that. At this Bible study, these people walked into the door, and it's like the Lord just kind of sunk them into my heart. And I remembered every one of their names, and it's just like they became an instant part of my body. They became my friends, just like you guys are. And I cared about them. And it was just this, this is the body of Christ, and they need more. They need more. And so we were there to help encourage Nick and Lindy. It wasn't our job to pour this out on them. God has appointed them for that task. We demonstrated it. It changed them. And now they're going to demonstrate it and change those people. These people are beautiful. I mean, it's awesome, you guys. I hope y'all all get a chance to to see the result of your labor in the Lord. What a blessing it is. To see someone's life change because of something you did. But even if you don't, maybe it stays unknown. God sees it all. And it's the ugliest treasures of the kingdom. That's all I have for you guys. Okay.
0: Well, I'm talking to the microphone. <laughs> were, were y'all blessed by that? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's today's date? February 22nd. March 4th will be the eight-year anniversary that we have been here in Texas. Wow. It's uh, it's been quite quite a ride, and I would I would never change it uh, for anything. It it was about around three or four months before that time, in 2004, that Cassie and I were just, you know, worshiping the Lord during the a New Year's Eve. I'm sorry, about a year before that, 2003. We were worshiping for the Lord and just plugged in the local body that was there. And Eric and I and, and, and even Cassie and Jen, we went way back to 1997 or 1996. But the Lord spoke to us at that time. He said, I'm going to replant you pick you up and replant you. And he said well, something about Cajun land, Cajun land. Well, if you've ever been into Cajun land, it is full of sugar cane. <laughs> wow. And so we we had this word from the Lord about the Lord was re- replanting us, and we were uncertain. And after about a year, a year and a half of waiting and trying to figure out God's will, we saw that it was coming here and being a part of what Eric and Jim they were doing. And the the leaving word, the the church we were at, all the elders and the guys that were associate pastors laid hands on us. And one guy just spoke to us. And it was very much so prophetic. But he just reiterated what the word said. The words of John the Baptist. He said, I must decrease so that he may increase. And when this guy spoke it to us, he said, this is going to be the focus. This is what it's going to take to accomplish God's will when you guys go. And from, the, from that point forward, I mean, from that point back, we've just been recipients. We've been a part. We were associate pastors. But we've just been recipients. But when we came over here, it turned right around to being givers and having to give our life. And I watched my wife be pressed and squeezed and shaken, uh, and that was just labor kids. uh, Not to mention all the spiritual things. (laughs) But I can truly say that uh, what my wife is sharing with you is from experience. That she has had to give up all those hopes, those dreams and desires, lay them before the Lord and let Him give them back to her. And uh, and God has truly done it. And you guys, as part of our life, is a fulfillment of that. So we love you. You could stand your feet and we'll pray That's okay. Stand by. So we're coming to the end of February. Uh, since February 1st, we've been actively praying as a body and as a church. Just We can tell the testimonies later because we're kind of running out of time, but raise your hand if there's a direct testimony that you know of that's come from this month's prayer. Amen. We want to keep that going. We have March posted up already. And... Okay. It's, it's very much so open. So not only does Eric use your prayers so that Sri Lanka, which is going to be some of the, the hardest uh, cultures to deal with with the gospel, because there they, they physically persecute you. They burn down people's houses because they're converted to Christianity. They don't consider you a true Christian until you've been one for five years and possibly been in jail once or twice just for, for being in love with Jesus. So we really have to be diligent and keep this prayer up. He needs it. But also we need it here. And even when he gets back, I want to see the kingdom of God expand. I want to see it grow. Grow in other people's lives. And the word that Richard gave us is just, it recycles inside of me every day. To whom much is given, much is required. Well, if you want to see more be poured out through your life, be willing to give more of your life. Amen. Amen. Amen? Amen. Brother Charlie, pray for us. Yes. Father God, we just want to glorify you this day, Lord God. We thank you for this word, Lord God. We pray that you just embed it in our heart, Lord God, and it comes out to our actions and our lives, Lord God. If we just give you the glory, Lord God, as we can seek, Lord God, those things to do for you, no matter if there's other things, Lord God. But so we just we just want to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise, Lord God, as we go forward this week in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.